0: Love Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go
1: with the main event of the evening. Ladies and gentlemen, attendants, boxing men joining us around the world. It's time for the Matthew of all we've been waiting for. Finally, it's the, the showtime. Hey, man, we, we dedicate our lives to
0: this sport. We give, we to the the camp. We run hundreds of miles, you know, for the ones that take it serious. And we just dedicate ourselves fully to our craft, man. We watch tape. We, we, we you know, we have attitude, we and we going that fight to land on the to land on the line. Podcast. I am your host Chris Carlson. We are live on a two Ooh, whoa, whoa, whoa. on a Wednesday late afternoon. Okay, I meant it to be late afternoon, but it's it's early evening. Anyway, hope everybody's doing all right. I know you know I had done the show on Tuesdays and Mondays for a long time, so I'm sorry I'm messing you guys up. But as the old saying goes, life gets in the way, and life life's about to get in the way a little later tonight. So I kind of am doing a show randomly. Didn't tell anybody, just going to do it and get her done. You know what I'm saying? We will start in the ring, which is always the favorite place, and the place you should start almost every podcast, boxing podcast, right? In the ring. We will talk a little bit about the showbox fights. Um, You know, previewing the schedule with an in-depth segment coming up this weekend, not really necessary if we're honest, right? So it will be news-heavy obviously terrence crawford has filed a lawsuit uh with a variety of claims uh, against top rank in company bob arum todd debuff i don't i think they're listed in the lawsuit but i don't think it's a personal lawsuit against them i think it's top rank maybe i'm wrong maybe it is <laughs> but either way we'll talk a little bit about that going into some of the details boxing has uh some pretty good details go figure um they always, you know. So there's a variety of stuff to talk about when it comes to that. Um, I did get plenty of messages saying, hey, what happened to the boxing Twitter segment? I thought you were going to light some uh, media members cheerleading and fanboying up. That you were going to light them up, but I, I spaced that part. You know, I kind of got late in the show, and I totally forgot about that. That is my fault. I uh, just didn't have time to fit it in, but I got time now. Mannix and Dan... Chris Mannix and Dan Raphael, some of the things that were going back and forth on that podcast, really a head-scratcher, man. But not really, you know. But, yeah, so I've added them to the list, um, but we will roast who I was talking about. And I'm pretty sure you guys know who I'm talking about, but we're going to get to them. We're going to get to them. But that'll be how we close the show per usual. Um, Tim Smith, um, you know, of the PBC – what is he, the head PR guy over there? He was on the PBC podcast, which even though it's called the PBC podcast and all that, they do a pretty good job, especially Kenneth over there, I want to say that, um, on some in-depth um, questions. You know, a lot of questions are going to be run at the mill but like I said, it says PBC on it. However, go listen to that Steven Espinoza interview. Some of the stuff Tim Smith said um, about um, a possible Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford and some of the difficulties there to make that fight, a lot of people were not happy (laughs) with what he said. I'm going to break it down to you realistically like I do. Um, There was a variety of rumors about Canelo and Charlo in talk. Now, Eddie Reynoso shut that down saying, hold on, dude, we're not specifically in talks with just Charlo right now. We're actually about to, you know, talk to a variety of stuff and see what we got. So I'll update that scenario. There's also a little rumor going around. I haven't heard it being confirmed just yet that Jermel Charlo is maybe on the move trainer-wise. Totally, you know, saw it in a couple different places. Don't know if that's right. I will have an update. Speaking of Terrence Crawford, I will have an update from Bernie the Boxer in his plans. You guys know that YouTube channel? I mean, dude's obviously biased, but of course he's going to be biased. He's in the camp with Terrence Crawford. But
1: what he had to say
0: was mighty interesting. Mighty interesting. Um. And so, yeah, there's a couple other items. We will get to the DAZN schedule for the first quarter and break that down. Um, There's only really one just can't-miss fight, and that's, of course, Estrada and Gonzalez, Chocolatito, uh, the trilogy. But there are, you know, just like any schedule, there's going to be some stay-busy whatever fights, maybe a mismatch here and there, possibly. Maybe a fight that you're not intrigued, but... I think the crossroads fights or real step-up fights fit the bill on this one. I really do. I like the schedule. Um, I'm not going to go and call it brilliant (laughs) like a lot of matchroom fanboys are saying. It's not brilliant, but it does have multiple crossroads fights. and Sure, you can make the argument crossroads fights. Sometimes one of the fighters has already been at the crossroads, and, you know, he made his turn, and, you know, there's nothing there left, right? But a lot of times they can also produce some damn good matchup because of that variation of, hey, I need to get this done, I need to be tuned in, and that'll lead me to a bigger fight. So we're going to break it all down in a wide variety of ways. We do have some other current fight news. February 5th. As of like a week ago, two weeks ago, was just jam-packed with fights. Well, it's thinned out a little here in the States. Two cards now have been uh, postponed. Lucky the keyword is postponed. Uh, we already knew one last week. We have a new one now. So um, we'll definitely get into some of that. And, you know, like I said, fight news and whatnot. Um, yeah, the first quarter... It's interesting, you know, we we haven't seen, you know, we, we, we know what ESPN is doing a little early right now, we definitely have the matchroom schedule, which is always nice that it's just there, you know, you know what to expect, um, Showtime in the coming weeks, looks like they're going to announce, uh, maybe Fox will announce, I don't know if they're going to wait till February 5th to announce, I, I have no clue with Fox right now, um, you assume that Spence and uh, Ugas will be on Fox pay-per-view, but... I guess we can't assume everything. Uh, maybe, maybe it'll be showtime. I don't know. Uh, but I'm assuming Fox. Anyway, like I said, we will start in the ring. But if this is your first time listening to the Rope radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com blog forward slash ro- Rope Dove radio. Man, I got some issues, I guess. Uh, but, you know, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope It Open. Download the show directly there and listen to the browser. If you don't want to, you can find the platform on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spricker, Amazon Music, a, a variety of other places as well. Just Google it. Um, we're also part of the Grilling Truth Sports Podcast Network. While, while you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtrude.com. And one more thing, if I can talk, that is, If you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have you're not quite happy I got something for you it's called direct TV stream the prices start as low as $69.99 a month it's the best of live TV and on demand no annual contracts no hidden fees if you upgrade to the choice or ultimate package that'll give you three free months of HBO max plus you get to enjoy regional sports networks with no additional fees which as you see that's becoming harder and harder and in boxing fans, this is a little note for you. It's, you go all the way to the premiere package, that'll give you HBO Max and Showtime. I think uh, it's $11 on this platform anyway, regardless, Showtime. Just see it all. Um, that is DirecTV Stream. Okay. That, uh, uh, that intro was a little rough when I started you know, reading out all that stuff. I apologize. Um, but anyway, we did have – before we get into this news-heavy thing – Um, and I'm kind of gonna try to brief upon a couple of things, but keep it moving I don't want to get tied down in some kind of half-hour rant or something like that, you know I'm gonna keep it moving Some of it will be a little bit more in-depth Um, but like I said, I don't want to go too long on each topic, you know what I mean? I don't want to drag this thing out too far by any stretch Um, but yeah, when we're talking about, um, you know the showbox card The main event was kind of what I thought it would be. Um, Arrieta is an okay fighter. Um, He was undefeated. Hadn't, you know, beaten anyone of note. But Luis Nunez, um, who it's not like he's beaten a lot of, you know, fighters of note either. But this is the prospect level, right? So it was undefeated against undefeated. But you did see that Nunez had a clear... uh, you know, clear advantage in this fight in a variety of ways. Um, And he took it to him. You know, it was pretty basic. He definitely brought um, that pressure along with the jab, um, definitely landing some nice right hooks and right crosses. You'd have, like, Arietta, you know, landing in spots. Uh, I guess you could kind of say throughout the fight, but not really. You know what I mean? Um, in the third round, flush left hand. I think it was a left hook midway. Looked like Nunez was going to really start to pour it on there. But overall, he landed the cleaner shots, better shots. Um, like I said, he had moments, Arieta, But just not enough. And even when he was landing, it wasn't like he was really putting in some, you know, major power shots or anything like that. Kind of some fun stuff down the stretch. Uh, from maybe the seventh uh, to the ninth round. But a big right hand definitely hurt Arrieta. It was a body shot um, and a few more of those shots. And before you know it, he had a flurry, a couple flurries, and it was a TKO. He hurt him pretty bad. And that's what I was kind of looking for Luis uh, uh, Nunez to do. It was kind of like, all right, dude, you set it all up. You're outlanding him through 10 plus, or I should say 9 plus rounds, because it did end in the 10th round, 142 to like, I, I can't remember, One hundred. I can't remember what the, I think it was 130. So like I said, it's not that Arrieta didn't put up some sort of fight, because he did, but, you know, it wasn't much. I did like how Nunez closed the show, though. It seemed like he may have been able to step on the gas a little bit more, maybe with some big shots, but he did ultimately get the job done. And so he moves on. We'll see, you know, I'm assuming he'll be on Showbox again. Uh, maybe maybe an FS1 card. I, you know, I think it was Showbox because he's not with, uh, I don't think he's with Al Heyman. So, um, yeah, so in the FS1 cards, you know, Are really hit or miss anyway, as far as beyond prelim, you know what I mean? So we'll see, we'll see if that, what they do with those FS1 cards uh, this year. And when I mean hit or miss, it's not necessarily the content on it, the fights, right? But it's just, you know, the the original deal had 12, uh, before COVID had 12
1: a year, and they only did a handful last year on FS1,
0: beyond the prelim. Um, The opener, um, Edwin... De Los Santos and William Foster, um, I thought it was a very competitive fight. I thought De Los Santos won the first two rounds. Um, counter left hands were a big thing from him, same with right hooks. Um, it started to get a little bit more competitive in the third and fourth. I, I, it was, that was a close round, the third round. Foster definitely had success. Santos, though, to me, flush uh, uh, that the flush uppercut and more right hooks behind the jab. I thought he, I, I thought he, you could have maybe gave him the third. But then Foster went on a nice run, um, and it was kind of weird. That fourth round, I got a little confused. I got to admit, it was like there was a cut, and it looked like it was a headbutt, but then the ref kind of made it sound like there was an elbow involved, but then he took a point away from the opposite guy who had the cut. So I was a little confused there for a second. I was like, wait a second. And they never really talked a whole lot about it after that um, while the fight was going on. Um, So that was confusing. It was kind of like, well, that would be a 10-8 round, then," which it could have been a 10-9, could have been you know a little bit different, but Obviously, that gave him the advantage, but he was also winning rounds. You know, the, fixed, the, the, the fifth, sixth, and seventh, uh, Foster definitely won those. It seemed like uh, De Los Santos was starting to fade a little bit, getting tired by the fifth and sixth round, whereas Foster definitely upped his rate. I think it's Fo- William Foster the third, to be exact. Um, but, yeah, the hooks on the inside, those short little uppercuts, I thought did the job. Um, Foster started digging to the body as well. Always behind the jab, though, it seemed. And it was just kind of more of the same down the stretch. In the eighth round, though, you could make an argument that uh, De Los Santos kind of outworked him and maybe won that last round. So it was a competitive, competitive fight. Uh, De Los Santos landed actually a little bit more, 125 to 117. Both of them were somewhat active through eight rounds anyway, 421 for Santos and 408. Uh Santos worked the body a little bit more as well, landed at a higher percentage, but it was one of those fights where you can kinda throw out the compu box numbers and, and just see, you know, what what did you see? Who landed the bigger punches? And and I did think Foster did. Uh, through for eight rounds I had him five three. You could make an argument with the four four draw as far as rounds, but Foster would still have the one point advantage because of the deduction. But I was I was good with five three or four three one somewhere in that range. Um, De Los Santos did get one of the judges' scorecards 77-74. The other were 77-74 in favor of Foster, and I thought he looked pretty good. I definitely want to see more of him, um, Foster. But kind of a wait and see thing. Um, Starling Castillo and um, Ariano's, and I think it's. Arianosin. Um this to me was I mean I, I was looking forward to that first fight and it lived up to it because it was competitive, but I did want to see how this one would play out. I thought uh sin got off to you know he's landed the better shots early um, he scored I mean the first round it was tough to beat him. I mean he, he landed with that left hand, knocked him down. It was, it was like a looping left hand. And then late in that round there were the second knockdown was another left hand. So he was up ten to seven in that first round and I and I thought he did enough in the, the second and third. So right then and there in an eight round fight, that's gonna be tough to overcome now. Castillo I thought won a round or two somewhere in there. The sixth round was close. Maybe you can give that to him. I definitely gave him the first uh, the first the fourth. The jabs in this little late flurry and in that flurry by Castillo um, it was the best shot probably of the fight for him but definitely in that round uh, other than that I couldn't really give many more to Castillo um, I thought he fought hard but Erin just kept bringing that pressure and he outlanded him 153 to 102 and he threw 605 to 430 and the body shots one fit or no the power shots 150 to 95 so he Pretty much handled them. Uh, the scorecards read 79, 71, and two had it 80 to 70. Like I said, two rounds. For sure, I thought the fourth, fourth round for uh, Castillo. But um, Aaron Ocean really, you know, brought, brought the heat the whole fight. Just kept coming and coming. And he was a funny dude after, too. He was really excited when they're taking the pictures and before, you know, uh, they announced the winner and stuff, and even after they announced the winner, he was taking pictures with his team, and and the ref was there. You know how the ref always takes a picture, and it was pretty funny how just excited he was. You know, not funny in like I'm making fun of him way, but just the energy that that guy had. It was, it's always refreshing to see that out of a fighter. So I definitely want to see more of him. He definitely passed his test. Both of them did, Foster and him. So. All in all, I had interest, like, intrigue in two out of three fights on paper. Nunez started out really well, kind of did deliver in the middle rounds. I saw a lot of folks be like, hey, dude, were were you going to turn it up here? I mean, you're you're dominating the fight. Take him out or at least try to take him out. And to his credit, he did. He definitely did. Um, So, yeah, it'll be fun to see. You assume these guys, you know, will remain on Showbox for a little bit. So hopefully we see him, you know, in a handful of months and get him back on there because they're good fighters. It was an interesting card. Um, so, yeah, overall, I thought it was a good showbox on Showtime. That's another, you know, a lot of people – it's kind of funky because a year ago, two years ago, because Eddie Hearn and Bob Aram told you guys and the media told you guys, that Showtime was going to go out of business like HBO did, um, a lot of people just listened to it. Just like, yeah, it's going to happen, you know? Um, And I noticed this year, they were mad that Showtime was putting on pay-per-views a little bit, right? Uh, The Javante Davises and those exhibition fights or whatever. And that's fine. It is what it is. I'm not going to get into a big pay-per-view discussion about this, but, you know, they also give a Showbox... About six times a year, it seems. I think that was what it was last year, and they're they're up and down. They're not. They're cons- It's consistently pretty good, and it's the longest series running that has been really solid. I mean, over fifty champions have de- been developed. Um, it's just a quality show, but they bring that. Yes, they do have the pay-per-views, but they also have the championship boxing. So you can say whatever you want about Showtime. We'll see what their schedule looks like here in the coming weeks. It should be announced here soon. So you can only judge what is on paper, and we'll see. We'll see. But, yeah, Showtime had the – for those who don't know, I'll repeat it. Showtime had the best year in boxing last year, period, point blank. That's just not up for debate. So as of right now, they're not going anywhere as much as uh, some folks want it to be. Um, So, yeah, so basically that sums up the weekend. Like I said, a light weekend, no doubt about it. We have another light weekend coming up. Um, It was kind of going to be light anyway. A lot of of times in January you don't have a lot of great fights because it's the NFL playoffs that kind of take over, you know, not just – yeah, they play Saturday, Sunday, and now they play on Monday. I think they're going to play not this week, but next week on a Friday, too. And that's a whole different discussion. But it just takes up a lot of attention in general. So once in a while, we'll get big fights in January. Um, as I have yeah, spoken many a times, that last Saturday usually is the case that we'll get a big fight um, not to say we haven't got, I mean, last year we got uh, uh, Ryan Garcia and Luke Campbell. Uh, Pacquiao fought in January 2019 against Broner. So we'll get big fights in that fight date, but uh, it gets it's pushed back to February now. The first Saturday in February because uh, the NFL uh, is 17th. anyway my point is it usually starts out a tad bit light picks up and then hits the ground running come april may and june and whatnot and you know the rumors about what is going to be on the schedule let's say from here to may even um there's some interesting stuff no doubt about it but on paper what we know is about to get announced, like on Showtime, like the Charlo Castano uh, feuded at 154. The rematch, that's going to be pushed to when they say March. Um, so, the, you know, the one thing I'll say, so I think it's it's just to complete this sentence. I think it's going to be a pretty pretty good first quarter, but we're already starting to see the COVID bug pop up. So, don't forget about that stuff. Don't get your hopes up too much, especially with this new variant that, you know, it's mutated. They say, you know, the good thing is it, it, it's less, you know, it, it, it affects you less on average anyway, relatively speaking, of course. Um, and, you know, vaccinated, not vaccinated, that's a whole, you know, other layer to it. But it spreads like wildfire. And all you need to do is have it going to be out for at least five days um and you know more and more cities are going to go well I shouldn't say for sure go to it because it's happening here and it hadn't happened before but if you want to go to a game uh like a Timberwolves game or a hockey game like the wild game or a fight at the armory if you want to go out to eat it just kicked in well actually hasn't kicked anyway you need to be vaccinated you got to show them the vaccinated card to get in or it's kind of like uh overseas flights now international you know how like within 72 hours you have to have a negative test well you could show them you know that you have the vaccine uh that you got it you show them your card that'll get you in otherwise you have to have like uh think it's 72
1: hours on the bar, or whatever. It just got announced today.
0: My point is, the shit ain't going anywhere right now. Now you can make an argument, you know, in the coming months it'll drop again for sure. Um, like the mask mandates that just kicked back in here in Minneapolis and Saint Paul as well. So that stuff will help it, and it's bound to take a, you know, it took, it's taking this giant leap and then going down again. And once we get outside again, it'll help. It always has. So my point is, don't. Nothing is set in concrete when it comes to these fights, and literally in the last seven days since I talked to you guys last, we've already had two fights get pushed back from that. So, you know, it is what it is. So try not to get too, you know, um, pissed off when it happens, but. That's why I'm telling you right now, don't get too hyped about stuff. Let's just hope they're postponements and not major injuries. I mean, boxing has this injury thing anyway. In other sports, especially team sports, and really individual sports, you know, in a tennis tournament, if someone gets hurt, then you just get hurt and you're done. And the next guy and the next woman moves on, you know. And in boxing, if it's a big enough event, you know, a lot of times it'll get postponed or sometimes canceled in general anyway. Just kind of putting that out there. We will go over the zone schedule a little later in the show. We will talk about uh, Tim Smith, the head PR guy over at Premier Boxing Champions. We'll talk um, about his interview and some of the comments he he talked about uh, on that PBC podcast about the Spence and uh, Crawford fight and a variety of other stuff. Like I said. Breaking down that the zone schedule, Canelo Charlo stuff. Why don't we just start there? Then we'll get to the Terrence Crawford lawsuit against Top Rank, uh, breach of contract, and claims of racial uh, bias is actually involved
1: in that contract or in that uh, in that lawsuit. By the way,
0: but uh, a handful of days ago, this Canelo versus Charlo rumors of them being in negotiations, deep in negotiations. Right. That that was the rumor. Um, and it came from the good old sources, you know, the sources say, which, you know, of course, that's what you use to break news and all that, you know what I mean? Sources say, but sometimes it does become a bit of a joke, right? Oh, oh, did sources say that? Are you sure? Um, but anyway, Michael Coppinger of ESPN, uh, what was he on ESPN ringside or something like that, but he was on a podcast and he said that. He doesn't think, you know, he named, uh, Peter Biev, he named the cruiserweight champ. I don't know if he talked about anybody else as far as Canelo Alvarez's next fight, but he said, you know, I don't think they're going to fight any of those guys. I think he's going to fight Jamal Charlo and that they are actually in talks for the fight to take place on Canelo's weekend. Cinco de Mayo, um, but Eddie Renoso came out and said, hold on now. You know, slow your roll. We're not in deep talks with just one team. In fact, we're not all the way in talks just yet. Maybe they've had, you know, minor little talks or whatever. But, you know, he was basically like saying, hold on, dude. You know, we're, 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 we're not deep in talks with them. So calm down, take a deep breath. Doesn't mean we don't want the fight, but uh, he put the brakes on it put the brakes on it a little bit, um, which, you know, a lot of people all of a sudden, whichever, they had, you know, I mean, there's so many different uh, opinions on this, right? Some people want to fight this guy, that guy. I've always kind of said, well, first of all, if he was going to go up to Cruiserweight, I get it, and it's not like that Cruiserweight champ, but maybe he'll be there for a while, maybe he won't, stuff to say, because obviously when you go to Cruiserweight, you're going to probably pick and choose your way there which I'm not
1: hating on that.
0: It's just a big leap, especially if, you know, it's your first fight up there. Um, but I've always said, you know, you're at 168. Why not just fight Charlo, fight Benavides, fight David Morrell Jr. Okay, I'll that one in there at the end because he fights out of Minneapolis. Big shots out to the Cubanos, the Cubans. Um, You know, why not do that and then move up? Just get it out of the way because there is, and this is also a carpenter, many people said this, if you jump up to cruiserweight, then you come back to light heavyweight, sometimes when you jump up and down and up and down, at times it can cost you. It can cost you. And Bivol and Better biev are not easy fights for different reasons. One, you know, Peter Bibb obviously has a um, you know a lot of power, and Bibble has a lot more. You know, he may be boring to some, no doubt, but he's got a lot of skill. He's got length. That's not an easy fight for him. My point is, you're going up pretty high now. You can make the argument that well, he went up to fight. Uh, well, not not. I mean, when he first went up to 160, when he first went to 160, technically he went by it, right? He, fought a catchweight with Chavez Jr. before he got fought Golovkin. I think that was 164 or something like that. Because he had been fighting at that 155 weight, right? The Canelo weight. So, that's not a biggest leap, obviously. Then it, You know, before he fought uh, Jacobs at 160, he did jump up and fight uh, Rocky, right? So, he's done minor stuff like that, but... You know, you're probably going to at least go to 180, you know, 185. And I know his weight goes up a little bit, then he brings it back down, and, and 160 was getting tougher to make. You know, if 168's getting tough to make, then I could see it a little bit differently. But, it,
1: you know, we haven't heard that from him, that 168's tough to make.
0: I just think that why not get it finished? Now, maybe you go up and test the waters at 175 after full 175 and then maybe jump up and get that done and then come back i don't know i really don't know but i would just like bounce it up and down especially from 168 all the way to cruiserweight and i know you don't have to go all the way to cruiserweight i get that because you don't have to weigh in an exact weight at cruiserweight but there is a risk of that there's a real risk of that and like i said stylistically bivolous is a whole different ball game. You want to be at your best, and same with uh, Peter Bia with that power. You know, a lot of people think, oh, he'll outbox him. That's cool, but, you know, better Peter Bia can, you know, he can land some hard-ass punches. He's got real-deal power. So um, we'll see. I'd assume that, you know, Al Heyman's going to offer Charlo first. and Benavidez has already got a fight coming up more than likely against the uh, David Lemieux. Uh, so, you know, and that's for the interim de- on, uh, WBC. So, the thing is, you know, being that is the franchise champion with the WBC, there really is no Mando for that. Um, but, you know, rules are rules and guidelines are guidelines for the WBC and the rest of the sanctioning bodies. So, I'm sure they I don't know. Will they call it? Why would they call it if they know that there's not one? Because remember, called a, a WBC franchise that goes from all the weights, remember?
1: That's what they told us. So,
0: I don't know. We'll see. I would I would like those two fights to happen and then go up to 175. Um missing out on a Charlo fight, it is what it is. If you went to 175 and fought Bivol, or better Bivol, be I definitely wouldn't be out here saying, "Oh, you know, like some folks just, oh, you're ducking. Like, calm down, dude. So it's a duck to go fight Bivel at 175? Like, come on, dude. Now, Benavides, he could probably comfortably go to 175. In fact, some people, you know, including John, who calls in every week almost, he, you know, they, they think he should go to 175. So I don't think you lose that fight so you could still make the argument well still fight Benavidez at 175 if he did just forget 168. I think the Charlo fight would be done, though. Um, And as far as selling here, like, the biggest gate would be Charlo and Benavidez here. Um, I know maybe some people will get, you know, hot and bothered that I say that, or maybe not hot and bothered, but just flustered. (laughs) You know, Bivol and Bitterbia, they're just not
1: it's just not the same thing.
0: Um, and you can tell. I mean, Billy Joe Saunders has been around for a while. He's fought on TV for a while, fought on HBO. Oh, Box mew on HBO, didn't he? Or was that his own? I think it was HBO. But anyway, um, you know, that did a damn good gate in a major, major stadium fight. But you saw they turned right around and, and did better at the gate. The Charlo and Benavides is the biggest at the gate. Um, would Vendor Biev. Be be on pay per view. You know, it if be he's still with ESPN, which there's rumors that he's not. I don't know. Uh, but if it were it'd be on pay per view, I think for sure. It would have to be. But I don't th- I don't think it would do as good as the Charlo and Benavitas at the gate in on pay per view clearly. I mean if plant and him just did eight hundred thousand then you could just you could pretty much say seven hundred thousand and up. I understand that the undisputed thing was huge. But you can still call it the undisputed championship because he is the undisputed. So and both those guys are undefeated too. And that doesn't matter, uh, for the casual fans. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm not gonna keep going too far in this. I saw a couple different side in the forum, I saw um, tweets that Jermel Charlo, and this is don't don't rule it, you know, don't don't say, Oh, this is fact. Don't quote me say, um, but there's some there's some rumors going out there that Jermell Charlo is possibly, potentially headed back to Ronnie Shields, you know, I, I don't know, I'm not really sure, I really don't know about that, to be honest with you, um, but there, there's rumors swirling, so we'll see Where that goes it's funny because Or Interesting I should say that We've seen A a large change In Jermell Charlo's power And his fighting style under His current Trainer at least that we think is still His current trainer right And
1: Derek James I'm talking about
0: But if you look at fundamentals And some of the things uh, you know that he used to do With Ronnie Shields a lot of people complained about
1: it Then and said, oh you're
0: boring just that but now people are calling him Calling for him to be fight a little smarter And don't try to just land these big shots win some rounds and then set up a big shot You know, that's probably what you're gonna have to do in the in the second fight So maybe that's on his mind like hey, man, I keep fighting this way you know, I, I make things harder for me. Maybe I should go back. I don't know. Some people think, oh, that means Charlo and Spence are going to fight. Now that would be off the chain, but I wouldn't necessarily say that because they, they've been friends for a while, you know, before uh, Derek James came in the, you know, the, the frame. Uh, they've been friends for a while. So
1: I'm not sure about that one,
0: uh, but we'll see. You never know. I mean, if, 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 I guess you could make the argument if, if, if Jamal Charlo goes up to 68, will he just stay there? And then maybe no matter what happens in this uh, rematch in March, it sounds like, between uh, Jamel Charlo and Brian Castagno, he could go up to middleweight, and then that would leave Spence to come up too. Because we know it's just a matter of fights, and whether it's two fights or what, um, that Spence is going to come up to 54. Anyway, that's enough on that. Um, real quick on Crawford, Bernie the Boxer, according to a very biased yet entertaining source. Bernie the Boxer, he's a funny dude, I think. He's got a YouTube
1: video on our you know, channel.
0: He's got a YouTube
1: video. I Sound like I'm eighty.
0: Um but uh Bernie the Boxer says that Bud is actually heading up to one fifty four. We've heard those rumors about he's going to put the pressure on the IBF to make him, you know, the 147, make him a Mando, and then enforce it. Obviously, going the the IBF route is the best possibility. But I don't know to get it called. But, you know, I'm not sure about that because he's probably going to go up to 54 anyway. But this is what Bernie the boxer says. That Bud is actually going to 54, and he's going to use his WBO powers because we know when you're a champion at whatever you know sanctioning belt, you go up. That usually puts you either right on, on the Mando spot, and you just get a title shot, or gets you real close to the number one ranking, or, or you get the number one ranking. So he says he's going to. and I'm not saying he, Terrence Crawford. I'm saying Bernie the boxer said he's going to 154. and and try to go win a belt up there and let, you know, do that thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, if if Brian Castaño won the fight, that would be a pretty wild scenario, wouldn't it? If Crawford beat Spence to that up there. Now, obviously, when you have an undisputed champ, you know, um, it takes, you know, they got to go in order a lot of the time as far as the mandos. And to be fair, Castano prior to the let me think prior to the Charlo fight, Castano didn't he? Wasn't that like a box off, like a mando thing for that? I believe it was. So, how long will the IBF or WBO, I should say, in this scenario? How long would they? How long would it be before they would call it? You know what I mean? So I don't know. But that would be big. I mean, any if Crawford could get any advantage on Spence right now, it only helps. Whether it's getting the first crack at Castaño, I guess you could say a first crack at Charlo as well. I don't think there would be a fight between him and Spence, uh, Charlo, but that would be a big fight too. <laughs> be a really big fight. Charlo and Crawford, if Charlo wins, you know. Um and also those, you know, those the talks about Thurman saying, hey, I'd be down to fight, uh, if I win, you know, and I'm healthy, I'd be down to fight Crawford in the summer. That would be another advantage because he would get he would get a shot at, there it, There wouldn't be any kind of leftovers. Yeah, you could say, oh, that's Danny Paco's leftovers. Sure, with Thurman. But you know what I'm saying? Spence hadn't fought him. Spence fought Kell Brook and Porter and all that, but he hadn't fought Thurman. So if Thurman came back and looked good enough against and was healthy, that would be another, you know, major thing. And we'll get into actually some of that talk later. But let's get into the Terrence Crawford. Sue's top rank for breach of contract and claims of racial bias. This is Jake Donovan, um, obviously uh, the guy, right? Um, so this is going to be interesting here, to say the least. Um... Obviously, you know, there's some – there's something here, maybe, right? I mean, if he has, like – if they breach the contract by not giving him, you know, certain fights, then – or a fight, I should say, then they definitely have a case. Now, the racial part of it, I just saw someone on Twitter say, I don't even think you can sue – uh, with the grounds of race it's like boy are you serious of course you can what are you talking about but anyway um, it's harder to prove unless you have solid solid evidence that you can play him saying something or and would it even get to that like him recorded saying something or enough eyewitnesses that were in a room you know that not just about Crawford, but in general, you know, we have heard the, you know, swirling stuff about, you know, black fighters in top rank as far as uh, not just promoting them or lack of promotion at times or knowing how to promote them. um, And their, their mentality on, you know, Bob towards Mayweather. Mayweather spoke a lot about, you know, oh, bob didn't think black people came and paid for fights they don't sell on pay-per-views yada 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 right and obviously he was wrong (laughs) and um clearly look at javante davis uh look at his gates you know the it's one after another he's obviously wrong but and there was also that you know try to steer your fighters away from black fighters per se, not all of them, but the tricky ones. And I mean like the crafty ones is what I mean that, you know, that's the terminology we've heard that comes out of that camp, that they literally have this, you know, this rule about black fighters. Sometimes you can match them up, but if it's a slick black fighter, you know, maybe, you know, we'd advise you not to do that. You know, we've heard about that stuff. Cameron, Cameron, Duncan actually said that not long ago. Oh, where did he say that? I can't think of uh, where he what what podcast he said that on. But anyway, um, this is the some of the stuff you're involved in this, um, and I think it's is it Brian Friedman? I think Mikey Garcia actually through attorneys bre- oh, Owen Hector Kabara. Okay. Alleged two separate co- counts of breach of contract along with one count each of fraudulent misrepresentation. Specifically top ranks failure to deliver a fight with Errol Spence and the manner in which it was promised. God, if this is true. How many fights did they promise I mean, him? <laughs> it's just weird. Um negligent, uh, misrepresentation, breach of impact, good faith, fair dealing, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I know this
1: stuff isn't blah, blah, blah,
0: blah but it's a 23-page uh, complaint. Um, you know, are basically, he uh, alleges racial bias against Crawford and African-American boxers um, and just the treatment of. Um, here's some some just more information on it, Um, including those same black boxers that top rank is contractually obligated to promote because this is boxing a sport with a checkered history. And because Aram is now dismissed as just a grumpy old man, Aram continues to make racist, bigoted statements and purposely damage uh, the reputation of black boxers without consequences. This is generally because, the affected boxers who are in long-term contracts at top rank fear uh, that if they speak out, they'll be placed on the sidelines, not given an opportunity to fight through the life of their deal, which could be five to seven years. Okay, um, it's an upwards of ten million, including a specific amount of four point five million under the first breach of contract claim, and an unpaid nine hundred thousand in the second breach of contract. I think that. You owe me, for every fight I get, and it was a million dollars, but it actually sounds like now, we heard it, it was reported a million. I guess it was 900000 but that's, for every fight, for every fight that doesn't involve spend, I get
1: extra money, is basically what that was all about. We talked about that a while ago, I think it's the summer.
0: Um, some other specifics. Uh, finding that top Rank breach, it's contractual duty owed to Crawford. There is some specifics about, um, here we go. The filing comes nearly two months after Crawford entered his 10-year relationship with top Rank, including a renewed three-year agreement, which began October 2018. And we remember that because that's when a lot of us thought, wait, he's a free agent? And it turns out he still had some time left on his deal and um that's when Manny Pacquiao right in that same frame because he fought what did I say, October twenty eight eighteen? He fought uh under the P V C uh in two thousand nineteen twice. Broner and Thurman. So January two thousand nineteen, that's when he was already, you know, obviously they had to have decided by then. I can't remember if this is right around the time frame or not. Um the later agreement serves as the basis for complaint, focusing on the second year of the three-year deal where he only fought – or only had one fight um, and for which he see, you know seeks the bulk of specific compensation. And before people start to go, oh, but in this year, this calendar year, he fought twice and all that, the agreement specified, 2018 agreement, was obligation by Top Rank to deliver two fights per contract year. October thirteenth, two thousand eighteen to October twelfth, two thousand nineteen. October thirteenth, two thousand nineteen. October twelfth, twenty, and then of course October, the next day, October thirtieth, last October, to this October, twelfth, two thousand twenty-one. Um, it says the contract terms were satisfied during the first and third years. Though it was the second year. That largely serves as the basis for Crawford's legal pursuit. Uh, according to the complaint, Cropper was paid three point five million plus forty five thousand in training expenses for his October two thousand eighteen fight with Jose Benavides. Right, the bout was the first under the new contract and marked the first defense of the WBA title. WBO top rank completes its year one contractual commitment commitment by delivering a mere that That's like right. Crawford won. He got paid four point eight plus fifty thousand for the training expense. That was April two thousand nineteen. Uh, Crawford fought just once during the second contract period. Not calendar year, but contract period. I already saw multiple media members getting that a little wrong, or hardcore boxing fans getting that a little wrong there. They're thinking, you know, a calendar year, but this is contract. So anyway Crawford fought just one time in the second period a ninth round stoppage, you know mean machine he got, he got paid four mil for a mean machine another 50,000 um, The win over that was so the win over uh, mean machine was Crawford's only fight from October 13th 2019 to October 12 2020 So because the Kell Brook fight was technically in
1: November, wasn't it? 2020.
0: So Top Rank breached the 2018 agreement by failing to offer Cropper a second fight in that, that time frame. So that's like the biggest thing. So, you know, if this contract stuff, which I assume is correct because you wouldn't be filing the lawsuit, but that's just an assumption. This is all on the ledge. We're going to see how it plays out, whether it goes to actual court, whether there's a buyout whether there's they just drop it. You never know. I'm not saying I know which way this goes, but this seems like there is something here. Okay? Forget I'm not saying forget the race stuff, but let's take let's put that to the side. If this is true right here, there's going to be something here. You know what I mean? Um that that just seems like a normal thing. Now he got paid 3.5 and that was during the you know, the coronavirus time frame with no crowds anyway. Uh, three point five for the Kel Brook, and then he got paid six million for the Sean Porter fight. Okay. So the average amount to like four point five. The average person amount from all those fight services foundation for the compensation. So that's where they got the four point five million thing that Crawford believes he's owed, okay? Now, um, if these are all legit things, right, which I assume they are, but it's alleged at this point, it's a lawsuit, just got filed, then I can understand that. Now, additionally, Crawford seeks compensation for Top Strength's failure to deliver a fight with Spence during that same period, okay? According to the complaint, both parties entered into a championship bout agreement for a 12 a uh, round bout uh, for Crawford to defend against, you know, Me Machine. During the, ne- okay, here it is. Here's the juicy stuff. During the negotiations in or about October 2019, Crawford and his negotiating team informed Aaron M. DeBuff, his stepson, that he would not take the fight for $4 million being offered to him. Aaron and DeBuff informed Crawford that he should take the offer because a fight was spent, was right around the corner and that top rank could quickly make Spence Crawford fight happen In fact, Aram and debuff said top rank would include a Spence bonus. That's what I was talking about In 2019 that Cavaloskis bout agreement in excesses of in excess excuse me of nine hundred thousand Aram blah 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 because they were confident they could make the fight happen With Crawford and Spence before the end of twenty twenty. Now this is obviously before, you know, we knew there'd be no crowds or partial crowds when they're talking about this. Interesting, such discussion came up one day, and this is a kicker here. Such discussion came up one day after Spence's near fatal single car crash in Dallas. So they which, you know, obviously had him out of the ring for fourteen months. So were they thinking, well, He's damaged goods now. Oh, we'll be able to get the fight because they'll be desperate. I'm kind of funky, you know Um, Nevertheless uh, Crawford accept the the Cavalosius fight uh, Fight under such terms and so he's like well, dude, you know, it's basically the Spence bonus provision, you know, he's looking for that so um, You know and and I also read in other places. Let's see if it says it in here uh, ESPN through Coppinger um, that he actually had some time left on his deal still so here's Crawford I guess with a handshake and kind of a contract speculation at least money not saying you're going to for sure get it but at least money um, that you know he's thinking well shit now I've signed this longer deal And it was a good deal financially, of course, but I signed this longer deal. But I still – I could have just – I could have been a free agent earlier is probably what he's thinking too. And it goes on to say all the stuff that we've gone over a bunch of times, you know what I mean, about Bob Arum and and whatnot, you know what I mean. And and they're – you know, he basically says in true top – rank a company with zero black executives only two or three black employees refuse to admit that it simply doesn't care to support or how to promote black fighters. But the whole like, well he didn't make me into a pay-per-view guy, you can't really sue for that. Um, this is also alleged that uh, um, recently while most businesses have become sensitive to the issue of race and social justice top rank has not at the time when most businesses took step to honor black lives and the wake of George Floyd murder top rank actually refused to place the black lives matter logo on the map of the boxing ring. Um, And I don't know if he was suggesting that for a fight or whatever, you know what I mean? I don't know. Um, And it's funny. It says, interestingly not mentioned the complaint were any claims of Aram efforts to secure the Manny Pacquiao fight, which, you know, that's interesting that, that, you know, a lot of people were talking about how that's going to be in it too and they could use that. Some people were, multiple people were talking about how they could use the clip of Aram saying he he actually stopped the negotiations because for the Crawford Pacquiao because he felt bad for Pacquiao because Pacquiao was so past his prime. Remember, that's when he had just signed with Al Heyman. And I made a big stink about that. Some of the writers, you know, kind of like oh whatever you're making too big of a deal about it i don't think because and then like a year year and a half later oh we're gonna make the fight no this is gonna be great so i don't think you could use that in court because you could also show them the other way you know what i mean so that I i don't really know i don't really know exactly
1: how that's gonna go but
0: we'll see where this thing goes good job by the senior writer there jake donovan as always um I'll say this. Actually, someone sent me this, and this is exactly one of the interviews I was talking about. This is Cameron Duncan on a barbershop um, conversations. That's it, right? And he talked about that whole black fighter thing and how you're going to steer your fighter away from a black fighter. This is inside Bob, or, you know, top rank. This is in their matchmakers. Like, sure, you can let some of the black fighters fight, but if he's crafty and skillful, you got to stay away from them. And when you hear about now, would they be able to get Cameron Duncan in court saying this? And then multiple other people that that's where it gets tricky. And if, and if they can get that and that's already, you know, part of the, like they add to the lawsuit. If it keeps going and say, Hey, we actually have witnesses that say this. Well, then that might be a settlement. I don't know, but here you can judge for yourself on the, on the comments here.
1: Um,
0: yeah. I, so, so I called the Mayweather gym, and they said, Fred, if I give you this number, you have to ask them this question. And I said, okay, what's the question? And they said, ask, ask, ask Cameron Duncan, do top rank have, like, uh, 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 columns of fighters? And they say, we don't want this guy fighting the black fighter, we don't want this fighter fighting the Mexican fighter, and so on and so forth.
1: To get into the racial stuff, huh? No, I'm not I'm just I am asking. Uh theory there by the greatest matchmaker probably in my opinion ever. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm not gonna mention his name either but uh-huh. you know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. And uh he used to have a thing up on his board NBF, No Black Fighters.
0: Uh-huh. And And hold on, did you hear that? NBS No Black Fighters. That it was on a blackboard they said. Or on a board up, like, when you're kind of mapping out what you're doing with your fighters, just so you know, because he kind of breeze by
1: that real quick. Bring up a fighter. Um, you know, and again, it's just, he used to say to me, you can go anywhere in the country, and I'm going to leave it at this, and I won't go into a long discussion, mm-hmm. because yeah. people are people in God's eyes, and yeah. we're all the same. Used to say to me, you can go anywhere into a city in America mm-hmm. or anywhere in the world and ask a white guy, and he didn't say any other, he didn't say anything about Hispanic. Ask a white guy to throw a jab, and half of them are going to turn backwards and throw it like a girl. And everything. ask any black man on a street corner in any city in the world. And they will snap out a jab in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And I used to laugh. He said they're just more physically gifted. And he said, and so they have speed and better to stay away from personal. So I said okay, and I've lived by that. And um,
0: so that's a clip. Like I said, take you know whatever you want with it. They would need, uh, you know, guys like this. Guys like Mayweather, because Mayweather has said multiple stuff about it. Um, so yeah, that that that's that. We'll see what this. Uh, we'll see what comes with this. You know, what I mean, it's tough to say exactly where we're going with it. What it what it is now. Um, I do have to say, for the record, that Bob Aram, you know, according to Keith Idec, this is on boxing scene 2 That it's he says, you know. Crawford's lawsuit is frivolous. Court will see the case as malicious extortion attempt. It is. Um, as the malicious extortion. That's what he said. Okay, He says it's frivolous. Uh, Bud Crawford's lawsuit against top rank is frivolous, says the, uh, the Harvard Educated. His vile accusation of uh, racism is reckless and indefensible. He knows it and his lawyer knows it. So we got to be fair and, and just let this thing play out, if, in fact, it does play out, if, in fact, there's a settlement, or whatever. Like I said, get thrown out. Who knows? Speaking of, uh, Rolly Romero says investigation into sexual so- allegations now closed. No charges. Okay? Um, does this mean he's, you know, 100% free-free, you know? It doesn't well not free because he's never arrested and stuff like that um but you know it doesn't we don't know exactly where this thing's still gonna go this is uh Jake Donovan again um after well this is from Jake Donovan's uh boxing scene article after two and a half months of my name being slandered with false false accusations this is Roly obviously uh you know mr. Missed opportunity, cheated out of my dream and a massive amount of wealth. Uh, the investigation into the uh, allegations made against him or against me are formally closed. That's what he said on a you know on a verified social media account. Charges were not filed because the allegations could not substanti- uh, substantiated. Because, as I've always said, I'm innocent. Despite his claim this is uh, jake talking the state of the case does not completely clear him of any wrongdoing rather henderson uh, pd authorities uh was not in position to proceed at this further time so just want to give both sides of that as well um so what else we got here what else we got on the docket um We'll talk about the DAZN schedule a little later. We're going to light up some folks to make up for last weekend down the stretch of the show, the boxing Twitter segment where we read the tweets of the week. We have some fun with some, you know, fanboy tweets. And then the media members, we expose them for the cheerleaders and fanboys that some of those are. You can clearly, clearly see they're getting paid to say this. I mean, it's been proven
1: not just in court, but just
0: in general. They've come out and admitted it, you know, especially ever since The Zone came around here, um, you know, with Eddie Hearn. I mean, we've seen it. So I definitely will be getting those folks uh, handled. One thing real quick on that. We'll just stay in this media realm here. Um, I did find it funny. Listen to Chris Mannix and Dan Raphael talking about um, the Charlo and um, Canelo fight, the possibility of it. And, of course, Andre had, or I mean, see, it's just in my head right there. Of course, Mannix had some funny stuff to say involving Andre. Dan Raphael made a point about Andre. We'll start with the clip, and then we'll go from there. Okay, this is what Mannix was talking about real quick. We're just gonna play a short clip. Sure.
1: Do you, you think, Hans, do you think it's a bad look Oops. for Canelo
0: if he picks Charlo over Andre in this next fight? Because, like, you if you want to kind of connect some dots here, like, can, do, you you can, ha- you just
1: that. do you think, do you do you
0: think? Do you think it's a bad look for Canelo if he picks Charlo over Andrade in this next fight? Because, like, you, if you want to kind of connect some dots here. So when he says connect some dots, and Dan Raphael kind of added his thoughts on this to him. I'm not going to play all the clips, okay, just so you know. But just, just kind of talk about what they're going to say. They're going to say that at 54, Andrade had a belt. And then he went to 160, and Canelo never fought him at 154 for the belt, never fought him at 160. And then if – and this is Dan Raphael talking, too. He said, well, maybe he goes up to 168 and forces the mandatory through his side of it. What was that, the WBO? Forces the mandatory because he's WBO champion at 160 go up to there, force the Mando, and then if Canelo doesn't want to fight, at least you can get some kind of uh, minor, hardcore push-off of, hey, this guy dropped the belt because he doesn't want to fight me. And Rafael went on to say that if you look at the one, because you know, you can make the, they're make, saying you can make the argument that neither guy deserves the fight, Charlo or Andre, right? And if you want to think that, that's fine. But Raphael said well Dan said hey he's got the better resume neither of them have a great resume at 160 obviously but he has the better resume and if you look at like the top four fights that he fought or top five at 160 you can make an argument of that as far as the top five versus top five of who the you know not top five but you know the last five fights or whatever. But you could also make the point that Charlo fought Derevchenko, which was the best fighter at 160, either one of them had faced. So you could go down Dan's point, and they didn't make that point, by the way. They just made Dan's point saying he's fought better talent at 160. And like I said, if you put the names together, okay, sure, let's go down that path. But you also got to bring up Derevchenko's the best fighter. You know, if you, if you compare Charlo and Andre at 160, is the best fighter either of them
1: had faced at that time, right?
0: And then, you know, you can say Derevynchenko, Austin Trout, uh, an unbeaten, you know, J-Rock at the time that plenty of people thought he'd lose, that was at 54, those two fights I mentioned. But the funny thing is, he says, well, he didn't fight him at 54. He had a belt down there, Andre. This is what these two are both saying. And then he didn't fight him at 160, and he's not looking to fight him at 68. Well, you could say the same thing about Charlo, but even more. And Dan said that the move to go to 68 to make him drop the belt, try to get a little buzz, that already happened. Now, he didn't drop the belt. It got a franchise. It got franchised, just like uh, it happened to Lomachenko and Devin Haney. I think people kind of forgot about this. But at 54, well, guess who had a belt at 54, Charlo? So it's similar. He had had the WBC belt, or interim belt, right? He got ranked in WBC, got an easy fight, put himself in position, tried to make himself the mandatory, and the WBC brought the franchise on him. And also what they didn't mention or talk about, and I'm not saying Golovkin should have fought him at this time because he had a second fight. But Canelo, so I get it. But remember, the WBC did say they did call for Golovkin and Charlo to fight, and the winner gets Canelo. Because Charlo was always like, "Hey, you guys can fight again. I get it. You guys are the biggest names. I just want the winner." Right? So that stuff already did happen. So it's just funny how, and, and then Dan went an extra mile and said you know I'd rather see the cruiserweight fight out of all the fights like if I had to choose between Charlo or Bivol who's boring he's just so bored. that last fight was so boring and he even said man if he would have you know knocked out his last opponent maybe that would have put him over it's like dude but they but literally Dan Raphael said he'd rather see the cruiserweight fight more than these other fights we're talking about. I can't remember if he said better be it for sure in there. But that's just funny too. Like, so you want him to go against the lesser fighter at Cruiserweight. And I get it. If Canelo went to do that, that's a, that's a, a legacy thing. That's something to say you did. You're going to make a ton of money doing it. I get it. I'm not going to rip him for it. But I'm not going to say I want that fight first before an Andre or Charlo or Piffle fight. That's silly to me. So let's let's uh let's kinda of leave that alone. But it was funny how they were describing Andre when they could have literally literally you know said the same thing factually about Charlo. Except he already went through the process of trying to make him his Mando. Charlo, uh Canelo. So
1: it just shows
0: you, you know, Mannix You know, the guys that got to tell you, I say this all the time, the the folks that, not just guys, of course, but the folks in boxing, whether it's part-time media or full-time media or plugged-in fans or boxing historians on Twitter, you know, the more they got to tell you that they call it down the middle, it just gets old because it's like, well, dude, you say this a lot, but then look at this dumb shit. We get it. You get paid by zone. That's a part, portion of your income. You work for them. That's okay. That's no problem. But it's just funny how, and I'm glad that Andre, you know, after, not in the post-ring interview, but after in more of a, I think it was just during the Dizone post-fight show. I'm pretty sure that was when he was like, hey, guys, stop with this just only calling for Charlo. When Charlo's not on this platform, you know, and I'm cool, you know, Maddox will say, I don't care where the fight takes place and all that. That's a bunch of bullshit, really. I mean, yeah, of course you're going to watch it, but, you know, I mean, a lot of this, the Eddie Hearn thing now, when it comes to Charlo now, you know, he's like the major contributor to why, you know, Andre can't get a big fight because of Charlo. It's all Charlo's fight, but Everyone wants to run a division. and I'm not talking about fighters. I'm talking about, you know, promoters. You know, PBC, top rank, matchroom, whatever, right? Everybody wants to have the key guys in the division because it's much easier to make the fights when you have them. And we've seen in the last few years since these platforms have gotten deals with ESPN and with Fox and all that and zones come on the scene, that's what you got to do, and, and Eddie Hearn now says I'm willing to, you know, have the fight anywhere. I don't care, but at the beginning when he first came here the first two years, he wasn't saying that shit. He was saying, Charlo, if you want any fight, it's on." I've literally, you know, let you listen to the audio. If you want any fight, you got to be a zone fighter to get it, and it didn't work out for him. And beyond the first year, he hasn't been able to make consistent, quality middleweight fights, even though at one time, and of course, you know, Canelo's not a middleweight anymore, but at one time, he had all these middleweight champions. And he said it, Charlo, he literally said it. So it didn't work out for him, so now he's changed his tune, right? Just like Bob Arum. He'll change his tune when it works for him, when it doesn't. Golden Boy, everybody everybody does. You know when Danny Jacobs, this isn't even changing tune, but when Danny Jacobs knew that you know there was nothing at BBC past Peter Quillen, so I do got to go to HBO to get fights. Well, the first guy he got, and I've said this before, he got Golovkin. First, you know he got what he got a three fight deal. After that, a two fight deal with HBO because he fought so well in that Golovkin fight. I mean, it's real basic shit. The first, the first fight he got on the zone was not Andre wasn't somebody else. It was Canelo. But you notice that they don't do that for Charlo. They don't give him Golovkin, and they don't give him that. And they don't give him Canelo. So it kind of works both ways. I'm kind of sick of talking about that, but we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But I did think that Mannix, and, for Dan to say he'd rather see the cruiserweight fight rather than Bibble or Charlo, I think that's just ludicrous, dude. It's just, wow, <laughs> you know. Um, we will get to the Tim Smith stuff. Uh, i I want to check out the zone schedule, or not check it out, I've already checked it out, but give my take on it, the first quarter, I think it's pretty good, I think it's pretty good, I like it. A lot of crossroads fights, one just top level fight, a few, eh, whatever, and we haven't seen all the undercard fights, we should say that, but there's some crossroad fights that I, that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. There was a little a little thing that I didn't get to last week as well, and that was Jake Paul's claim that Floyd hadn't paid him for the June pay-per-view. Now, he didn't specify back-end money on pay-per-view money because we've heard they're reported anyway, purses for it. So he was paid something up front. That's what it sounds like. But mean, in general like that, it didn't clear <laughs> the check he gave me or I didn't get paid, or does he mean on the back end of the pay-per-view? And we know that you do, those checks take a little longer. You know, Jake Paul hasn't been in the pay-per-view business long. He did do that one pay-per-view with uh, his brother. And what was that guy he fought? Somebody help me out. Uh, okay, Cy, but that was a YouTube pay-per-view. That wasn't like your traditional pay-per-view. So, um, I don't know if that's true. We're going to find out more about that, but I did want to mention that um, because I thought it was worth at least mentioning. Jake Paul says Floyd didn't give him all his money or didn't get paid. It. I, I don't know. I, I don't really know. Um, and like I said, that could be back-end money waiting for the the other part of the contract money. I don't, I have no clue. I'm just just talking about it real quick. Um. Do, 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 do. Okay. Let's get into the the uh, zone stuff. Then we'll get Timmy Smith stuff, and then we'll go through some fight news, some current fight news, and then we'll finish like we normally try to with the boxing Twitter segment. Okay. Um. Oh yeah, someone sent me this too. That uh, what do I what do I think about Tyson Fury's comments on AJ and on uh, Usyk? Well, the AJ stuff, calling him a big dosser, you know, losing to a blown up middleweight or whatever he said. I don't really look into that too much because that's just you know useless dosser. I mean, that's that's what Tyson that's how Tyson Fury talks, right? That's not really that doesn't do much to, for me. As far as, oh, my God, he called him a dosser? No way. Um, but the other stuff, this is some of his comments. You know what I can't believe? That AJ has gone and given the Ukraine all the heavyweight belts back after all the hard work uh, retrieving them. <laughs> uh, you're a big useless. Now, here's the other part that I you know, have something to say about. And this is the Usyk stuff. He said, you know, um, you let a, you
1: know, uh, do, 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 do what
0: he say, where is it? Okay. Um, he says, you let a little steroid man come up from middleweight and sit above you and take all your belts. And he's, you know, talking about steroid, st- steroid man and Usyk, like Usyk took steroids to get up to that weight and look good at it or whatever, right? I mean, that's what he's basically trying to say. Well, First of all, you know, do you have evidence of that? Do you have evidence of that? Um, second of all, I don't – I mean, for him to be talking about steroids and PDs, when he popped, and it basically turned out to be a two-year suspension. He popped for PDs. A lot of people just think he popped for cocaine, and he did pop for that too. But – and don't get me wrong – the The UCAD stuff was real funky. It looks like if you have some money, you can sue them, and it could bankrupt them possibly. So they just kind of go, okay, yeah, my bad here or this. I don't know. But um, this is all alleged stuff. But, you know, it's not alleged that he, he did test positive. So, you know, I think Klitschko said this, something about a glass house. You know, you shouldn't be throwing stones in a glass house. And he's exactly right. Because that is uh, pretty freaking ridiculous to sit there and talk about that. You know what I mean? I think that's pretty damn ridiculous. So, because it's like, dude, you already got busted for this. So, what are you talking about Usyk for, dude? What are you What are you worried about Usyk for? You're the one who got caught, you know. So, anyway. Um, as far as zone schedule coming up, like I said, there's one fight that I would say is like super high level, the, the, the creme de la creme, you know, the, 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 the best fight on the schedule. That's obviously Estrada versus Gonzalez three. Hell of a fight. First fight was damn good. Second fight was awesome third fight bring it on i love it that's march 5th i believe on the zone so clearly that's a great fight and that stands out well above all of them right now acoli and victor ortiz jr or virgil sorry virgil ortiz jr i'm not really i like both those fighters i'm gonna watch the fight i do a podcast fights, but I'm not going to sit there and add them. It, the the schedule is not brilliant, first of all, but that's just promoter talk, right? But those two fights, I understand that people are talking about how, you know, Virgil Ortiz's opponent, McKinnison, is an outside boxer, doesn't have much power, but it's a style he hasn't seen as much, so it's going to be a good development fight. Sure, that's fine. That's cool, you know. Maybe that'll help him uh, in the future. But those two fights do nothing for me. Still gonna watch them, but they don't—they don't do shit for me. However, I, the theme here for me is either step up, like uh, Lee Wood and Michael Conlon. To me, that's a step up. And then the rest of them. Oh, Mungia Ballard—that does nothing for me either. I forgot about that. Those three fights. Mungia, Acoli, and Ortiz Jr., those do nothing for me, those three. Now you can sit there and rip and say, oh dude, but I understand every schedule is gonna have a variety of stuff. We're not asking for fifty fifty every time out. But these are showcase fights. That's what they are. Get mad at me if you want, that's fine. However, the step up fight wouldn't come, right? And then like pretty closely matched crossroads fights, which I really enjoy most of the time. When you put them on paper, sure, anything can happen when you put it on paper, right? Sometimes, like I mentioned earlier, when they meet at the crossroads, some dude's like, I've already, you know, I got a flat tire five five miles down the road. I've already crossed my crossroads, so I'm done. But a lot of times you get that desperation of that next big fight, whoever wins it. And you can make that case with Jacobs and Ryder. You can make that case for sure with Martinez and Warrington. That's a, that's a pretty big fight. Warrington needs to look good in that fight. If he doesn't, it might be curtains for him as far as big fights. Um, and, and Vargas and Smith is just a – Calum Smith, Jesse Vargas, that's just a good fight. It's just a – it'll be it's a good TV fight. You know it's good, it is good. I like that fight, so I like this schedule. I think it's a solid schedule. you know when you look at one, two, three, four, four fights can be in the category of either crossroads or step up, three of them are on paper mismatches, and one of them is just a great fight. So all in all, especially for our first quarter, I like the schedule. I like what uh you know a lot of it. Well, it's both, right? It's both to zone in, to zone here and there. I suppose um, I like it. I like it a lot. I think it's a good schedule. It'll be interesting to see. Like I said earlier, the Showtime schedule, and what you know, will they? They usually will take it all the way to May, sometimes June. So um, if we can get that in the coming weeks, and then. They make Spence Ugas official as far as, you know, I think it's pretty much official. It just hasn't been announced yet. We'll see if Fox has any other stuff or an FS1 stuff. I don't really know. But this schedule, some other fights, ESPN and Sky Sports and stuff like that. But then, you know, if you add Showtime schedule onto that, that's a pretty damn good first quarter. And then it sets us up nicely for April, May, and June. So, yeah, I'm on board. I like that schedule. I think it's a solid schedule. Like I said, I don't call too many stuff brilliant like that per se, but it's it's good. I like it. I think it's solid. I really do. Okay, so we're going to go on to a little bit of fight news. I do want to mix it up. I'm going to go fight news, then I'm going to go Tim Smith, then I'm going to go
1: boxing Twitter, okay?
0: This was a little bit ago now. But Alicia Baumgardner, she did sign a multi-fight deal with Eddie Hearn and Matchroom. And I think that is a great call because, you know, women's boxing, Matchroom is doing a good job, great job with that. That's good, a great job with that. So I think that's a good call. Oh, here's someone sent me this. This is actually Klitschko. You live in a glass house and someone needs to take away your stones. It wasn't long ago before our fight where you actually test positive. Anyone can Google it, keep it classy. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Okay, so I believe we talked about this last week. Jose Ramirez and Jose Pedraza was set for March 5th. That is now, that got rescheduled. Um, you know, I never, it was flu-like symptoms. He was ill, Jose Ramirez. Um, but I, was it COVID? Did he end up getting COVID? I can't remember. But either way, it's not happening to February 5th. And then also on February 5th, Jesse Vargas just tested positive for COVID. And now that fight is off. So Vargas and Smith is off, Liam Smith, I'm speaking of. Looks like they're going to try to move it back to uh, Do I have a quote on that? I think back to March because he isn't feeling like major symptoms So he should be able to bounce back um, So yeah, that's that um, And now you look at January 5th In the States anyway, and now it's just that Keith Thurman card. So we thought we thought we had two other cards in that pay-per-view in one night. So that really does open up nicely for them anyway. Um, so, you know, it is what it is there. Um, what else we got for fight news? Oh, here's Eddie Hearn in that IFL, the most recent IFL-TV uh, interview. Eddie Hearn also, he talked about Canelo... He, he doesn't think Canelo's going to face Makabu in his next fight in May. Hearn explained that he'll likely present his offers to Canelo and Eddie, as will others, and expect him to make a decision in the coming weeks. It's just pretty st- straightforward. You know what I mean? Uh, Michelle Riviera signs a pack with Al Heyman. That's good. He's got a, you know, an interesting run here. Um, so, I, 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 he's a fun fighter to watch. Um, and uh, you know we'll see where he goes. So he fought what in October? I think that's what it said. Yeah, October against Romero, I believe. And so they're looking to uh, get him lined up here for a fight somewhat soon. So that's a good, you know, it's a good signing. Might as well you're already, you know, already doing it. Uh, this is a quote from anthony joshua from the sky sports interview which i've only seen clips of i haven't been able to see the full thing but he says there was always a stigma that i can't box i'm a big bodybuilder so i said cool let me practice my boxing i tried practicing my boxing with olexander he won nine rounds i won three next fight i will win four more and i win um I've been based in Sheffield and had a good shot with my coach. I want to try some new things, a new environment to get me inspired again, and take the heavyweight division by storm. New environment, work with some new coaches, and go to war. It's a warrior mindset. Now, when he said I, I was practicing my boxing, um, and this is funny because uh, beyond the gloves, here's what their video title is: news. Right, it says news. Joshua admits he used. Usyk fight to practice boxing skills. I mean, how how fucking dumb is that? First of all, I remember during the week in the build-up of the fight, Anthony Joshua said he's going for a knockout. That's what everybody wants. He's a smaller dude. I'm going for the knockout. Now, obviously, he was saying that. Well, I shouldn't say obviously, but as the way it turns out, he was saying that, but that didn't really... You know what I mean? That didn't, like... Maybe he got buzzed early and said, sure, that. Uh, maybe he was saying it so he thought Usyk would just come out and brawl. But he tried to go kind of skill for skill, which was a bad deal there. Um, also in that uh, interview, Eddie Hearn talked about Tony Yoka. And Yoka does want to accept the fight with uh, Herjavec for that IBS final eliminator and said they started speaking top rank about making it happen which that would be great that would be great Edgar berlanga and Steve rolls are set uh, to fight at the Madison Square Garden in the Hulu theater March 19th so it'll be nice you know to get him back and then if he's successful he'll probably fight June 11th at Madison Square Garden of course on the eve of the annual National Uh, Puerto Rican Day Parade in Manhattan. And we need that back, baby. Not the parade. The parade's going to be there. (laughs) I'm saying we need that weekend back, man. That's a big weekend. That's a good weekend. A couple of other news items. Oh, Connor Ben to fight Robert Guerrero or Mauricio Hooker, says uh, Eddie Hearn. Broner, this is what he said to Broner, to ESPN about Broner. Broner would like a fight before because he's now in a crusade of seriousness. He says he's ready for Connor but wants, you know, to fight March if possible. Uh, if not, two names, uh, Guerrero and Hooker, the O2 Arena. So, he, so basically, Broner just wants a, a fight to, you know, get good. Now, here's a fight that hasn't been announced, but it will be announced in the coming weeks for sure on Showtime. This is going to be a good fight. This is a legit fight. Roger Gutierrez, who is the real, quote-unquote, WBA champ. The former interim or regular, whatever, WBA got stripped of it. But Roger Gutierrez and Chris Colbert will fight in a headline Showtime card. This is Keith Idick. He's saying February 26th. And that was the working date for Charlo and Castaño. So that kind of makes sense that that would be that. So that's dope. Um, I like that fight because now... You know, if the WBA wants to figure shit out, well,
1: figure that shit out then.
0: Uh, let's let's have them fight. So I'm I'm pumped for that fight. Uh, Gary Russell Jr. My father had his foot amputated. Uh, I've been somewhat training myself. This is according to Keith Eidick. Well, according to Gary Russell Jr. Man, that I feel for for the the father there and the
1: family and everything. They're a tight knit family. That sucks, dude. That's that's rough. I heard it was uh, diabetes, man. Ooh,
0: ooh, ooh, man.
1: That's nasty. That
0: is tough. Uh, some more news. This is uh, the Daily Star Sport is all over the place, right? But they have a headline once again, and we've talked about this a couple times. BT Sport set a ma- set for massive takeover. Boxing giant to Premier League right. So that's that whole they're going to buy them out thing, right? That's that's what they've been talking about for a while. Um, you know, that their they're, sports streaming service is nearing a deal to acquire BT Sports for an estimated $800 million. The purchase is expected to give access to the highly sought-after rights, the Premier League, and the UEFA Champions League. And we've always said that this would, you know, they, they're successful in Italy with that. They're Obviously, they've been successful in Japan for quite some time. They haven't had success here yet, but that would be monstrous for the UK, or for DAZN, those rights. And then boxing, too? I mean, that combination would be deadly. That would be... That would mean so many more subs over there. That would be phenomenal for them. There's just no doubt about it. Now, of course, at the end, they say, you know, uh, and actually, did they bring up Discovery? Oh, representation of BT into Zone along with rival bitter Discovery Inc. So Discovery's trying to jump on this. That's right. Uh, are yet to comment. The later emerges rival bitter. Or bitter, <laughs> bitter. Um, when discussed, you know, with those two, the Sunday Telegram previously claimed that the U.S. media company, which owns European sports network Eurosport, offered uh, to form a joint venture with BT, which is being considered as an alternative uh, to a sale. While Discovery is still in discussions, the Zone is viewed as a leading contender at the moment, according to two sources cited by Redder's. And, you know, they also say, of course,
1: this shit could fall apart. You know, it happens. You know, who knows? I don't know. Um, You
0: know, so they go on and talk about how much the deal's worth and whatnot. Um, So, yeah. But that would be a huge, huge deal. I mean, talk about a get. I don't know what that would mean for the actual subscription amount. Of course, like Sky Sports, BT. BT, I believe, is subscription-based, too. So, they must Sky sports. So, um, but yeah, that would be massive. And that would help boxing in the UK that much more. I really do think that because that would bring that many more people, you know, if they can land some big fights on that uh, streaming, you know, I mean, more power to it. Cause we get those fights too, but man, like in the, in the i S I'm saying, but um, oh, by the way, Dillian white for another week or so Dillian white's going to appeal that 80, 20, which makes sense. Um, yeah, let's see, news-wise, I think that's about it for news. Um, we'll get into the boxing Twitter in a little bit. I think that's about it. Okay, uh, people are telling me, okay, K- Caleb Plant did target uh, Jermall Charlo. He views him as easy work. <laughs> uh, you know, he said easy work. I want that work, you know. Maybe that fights. Um, so move on to what I say, Tim Smith. Yeah, Tim Smith, Tim Smith on the PBC podcast was talking about the Crawford Spence and how there's really not a, not necessarily the money there to make the fight, right? And this is a bigger picture thing. we talked about pay-per-view a lot. I don't want to drag audience do this over and over again, it gets old, um, but as far as Tim Smith goes, you know, you can agree with a lot of what he says, you could disagree, but a lot of stuff he says, maybe you don't like the way he says it or whatever, but it is true uh, that, I mean, Terrence Crawford in in multiple interviews it said the money's not there for the fight yet. Bob Arum has said that too. Um, so it is what it is, um, but it's true. I mean, we just listed out—you know, four million for that guy, four and a half million for that guy, six million for Porter. If if he got six million for Porter, Crawford, well, then obviously the number is going to be bigger than six million. Now, does that mean seven or eight or, or nine or ten? I don't know. Was he willing to do? Didn't they try to? Didn't Bob Arum try to give him ten million straight up to fight Pacquiao? And they, were, I think the rumors were reported that he was willing to take eight, but a different percentage on the back end. I don't know. Um, rea- I like to talk reality. Okay, here's an example. Kevin uh, Ioli um, just had a um. What well, he, he was talking about? You know, fighters being overpaid, and he. He said Devin Haney made five million in his last fight, and I think he said four against Linares. Let's just say four million, right? Four or five, whatever. Let's call it four. So I heard it was four. He's saying it's five. So it is true, though. Like if, if you wanted to make, and I'm not saying they're going to make this fight in 2022, okay? If you want to make a fight, Gervonta Davis against Devin Haney, and he just got four or five million in that type of fight. What do you think he's going to need to fight Gervonta Davis? And is it fair, like LRB said, too? Well, so i got to sit there and overpay someone like $7 million, $8 million just to fight him just because they're overpaying him? You know, time and time again, you heard media and part-time media talking about, you know, when Thurman and – and and I'm going to go quick on this, but Thurman and um, Danny Garcia fought did a huge, a really sizable gate, and then it also did a major rating right, on NBC. And I remember people saying, man, they're both getting paid a million, and, and I think it was more than that, but that was what the purse, you know, the official purse uh, statement was. We all know that's usually, not always, but sometimes more, especially with Heyman fighters, but they would be like, God, they're both making a million, they're this, that, and the other, they're freaking out. Freaking out that these guys are making this kind of money. But then turn around and be like, Well, they're making too much money, but then why aren't you now putting those fights on free T V instead of pay per view? Well, you got done saying that they're not they shouldn't make that much money, you know, even though Danny Garcia was known as a ticket seller. But my point is, time and time again you'd hear that when it came to Al Hayman. Now you're hearing only fighters are getting paid, but it's not Eddie Hearns. Case in point, ten million dollars for Mikey Garcia and Jesse Vargas. I mean, that's an overpay. That these the overpays that giving Golovkin fifteen million, even if they gave him seven and a half million and the other seven and a half were in stock, that's still over seven and a half million to fight Stevie Rolls is still a overpay. But they you know, it was supposed to be fifteen million or whatever. My point is now we're hearing the fighters are making too much, and that is true. A lot of them, no doubt. I mean, we just said Crawford for four million to fight, or three point five, four million for Benavides. Like that is an overpay. I get it, but part of the reason to, to draw it back here, that's part of the reason why it is tougher to make this fight. We're not even talking about purse split. We're not even talking about sixty forty, fifty, you know, fifty fifty. We know what Crawford's thoughts are on, what the purse split should be. We know what Spence's thoughts are on what the purse split should be. Spence has been has said, you know 60 40 sounds like a good number. He's joked about 70, 30, and then he even went as high as saying, "I might have to 80, 20 him." I thought that was a joke, but whatever, he said it, I just want to put it out there. but 60 40, which I think is a fair deal for Crawford. But when Crawford hears news of that, to be fair, he does say that the fight can't happen for sixty forty. If anything, I'm the sixty forty. I'm the A side because he has more accomplishments and he means, you know, belts at different weight classes. But we all know who's fought the better fighters, and and who produces revenue is what it comes down to, you know. Time and time again, even Floyd Mayweather, before he started producing a lot of revenue, he used to say, I should be the number one paid guy in boxing. I'm the best. I'm the pound for pound. And, you know, he made those correct statements. He was the best. He was pound for pound. But until he got to fight Gotti, until he got to fight Zab Judah, and then ultimately Oscar De La Hoya, he wasn't a guy that, you know, brought in a ton of revenue. But the second he got the opportunity, it was a successful pay-per-view with Gotti and Zab and whatnot. So this is how this fight could be made, the best possible chance of these, of Crawford and Spence being made within about a year's time. And that doesn't, and I know people don't want to hear about 2023. Okay, I know you don't want to hear about it, but I'm here to be realistic about this shit. Okay? That's what I'm here to do, and that usually helps you along with what you think of when a fight can happen. It'll be the same people that says, I just want the best to fight the best, but then they'll bring up business stuff for other stuff. So it's like, this is realistic of the business, dude. This this is how it would happen, right? The, the best possible chance, let's say. So Thurman, or, or what am I saying? Spence and Ugas fight, and it sounds like in April. Okay, that's what it sounds like they're going to fight. Maybe they'll be March... But it sounds like they're, they're April because Spence said April, and he'll, he knows the fucking date, right? So, and Ugas did say March or April, but Spence recently said, no, it's going to be in April, right? So he he fights Spence-Ugas, let's say. Now, I'm not saying Ugas doesn't have a good chance to beat him because he does, especially with the, the unknowns from the injuries and all that and the time out of the ring. On the Spence side, but let's just in theory, since we're talking about Spence and Crawford, let's just because I know people are going to mess me. No, Ugas is going to beat him. This is theory, okay? So Spence beats Ugas. Let's say, right? Crawford fights someone. Maybe like Bernie the Boxer said, he'd go to 54 for a fight just to go up there, see what's up, see if he can get the a shot at the undisputed. I doubt it in that time frame. I don't know when the WBO belt is due compared to the other ones. I think that the other ones are ahead. I think the WBC is actually ahead. But anyway, um, so they, they fight. Spence moves on and wins. Now, Spence also has a potential WBA, Stanonius, and Butaev winner. He may, to keep that WBA belt, he might have to fight Stanonius and Butaev
1: winner maybe
0: there could be a step aside too as we know right now here's here's the deal if Thurman wins February 5th over Barrios there's a good chance Thurman's going to be a big fight whether that would be Cropper or Spence I don't know it would make sense for it to be Thurman for Spence and Thurman this summer or not this summer, but later this year, because if he fights in April, he's probably not going to fight this summer. So that's a possibility, right? Now, life after Crawford, maybe Thurman would still be there. Or if Crawford, you know, and I don't know if he's talked to Al Heyman or not. I don't know if Al's reached out to his side. I don't know if Crawford's reached out to his side, but they need to reach out at least to detect the temperature. Because it's going to be a multi-fight deal, more than likely. But if he could fight, you know, if Thurman gets through Barrios February fifth, if he if Crawford could fight Thurman, and then Spence fights his mandatory, that could work too, and that would be a good look. Much like if he could somehow land the undisputed Crawford, you know, at fifty four, that'd be a great look, right? But if he could get Thurman too, coming off a win. That would be great because that's not a Spence leftover. And I know, like I said earlier, that people say, oh, it's a Pacquiao leftover. That was two and a half years ago. Actually, longer probably now. So my point is Crawford would get to face, you know, Kell Brook and Porter were after Spence already beat him. So to get to have Crawford get a shot at Thurman first, that would be nuts. That would take a multi-fight deal. Which, you know, if he was willing to extend top rank in 2018, he should be able to – he's not Canelo, folks. He's not Canelo. So he should be able to do that, you know. And even a handshake, you know, like Mikey Garcia was a fight-by-fight. And, you know, on a fight-by-fight, knowing each other, whatever, Garcia and Al talking – Mikey was able to get a, a comeback fight he was able to get a highly ranked uh at one thirty anywhere at one forty anyway a highly no one thirty five actually um or was it one forty yeah it was one thirty five um I can't remember the dude's name, but he knocked him out right away. He was also able to get broner and easter junior and spence and it was fight by fight now ultimately he didn't have to pay him all this money that his own was going to pay for Jesse Vargas and that too. So it goes both ways, you know, but he probably felt more comfortable because he had assets to give him. Well, whether he has to sign or not. And I think, you know, Crawford obviously is a bigger threat to beat Spence than Mikey was. So I'd assume he'd have to sign a multi-fight deal, but it shouldn't be that big of a deal. Because you know they have all the damn the welterweights, so you know the the big names anyway. So my point is, however, this mixture happens, whether Spence fights Thurman later in the year, or you know, which would be dope too if Crawford fought Thurman, and then Spence got his mandatory out of the way, and then February two thousand twenty three they fight, and that would only be a Fox thing probably because Fox has the Super Bowl. So they could do, you know, the conference, the conference final, the the playoffs, which is going on, starts this Saturday. They could advertise the Spence Crawford fight through the playoffs, maybe get a little spot during the Super Bowl. Maybe not as much as the Wilder, you know, theory, obviously, and and I'm sure Fox, you know, but if Fox could own the whole fight rather than split it, maybe they would give him a little look. You know, quick little look. But either way, to make the fight happen, to get the buzz going, that's probably the best way right now, especially when Spence didn't beat Pacquiao to, you know, pass the torch to an extent anyway. Not like it was a handful of years ago, but it's still some sort of torch passing, right? That would, from, you know, these next several months, building, you know, having them both fight, building their name. I mean, if Crawford and Thurman fought on Fox, they'd promote the shit out of that. So that'd be a promotional run. That'd be a promotional run that Crawford's never had, the way Fox does it, way in advance. So that's the only way that fight's gonna happen. I don't think it's gonna just go, Ugas, Crawford. And Crawford fights somebody and then fights him. I'd love it if that's how they close the year. I would absolutely love it. Like I said, you can't you can, you know, CBS Showtime could be involved in this. You never know. I mean, they did sneak up and get the, the Canelo plant, what most of us thought that was Fox. Eddie Hearn kept saying it was Fox. But maybe that had to do with the money they didn't make, Fox, and Spence Pacquiao because Spence had to pull out. Maybe that had something to do with it. They were like, uh, hold on. So I don't know. Um, But that's the that's probably the most realistic way that it would happen. And maybe it would be just a, a two-fight thing, you know. Maybe Spence fighting his Mando could somehow just be on regular Showtime or even better, you know, on, on CBS, you know. Um, but I really don't know. I just think that that's how it would be needed to build. And if anyone's going to complain about that beyond your Spencer or Crawford fanboys, that would be ridiculous. About that. If they mapped it out like that That would be the bomb That would that'd work for me and I think that would be Probably the best way For it to realistically happen At 147 Because I believe this next 12 months You know it, It's Like he's going to move up to 54 spends. And obviously Crawford according to Bernie his guy Bernie the Boxer Is going to be up there maybe too I don't know So maybe they end up fighting at 54 But what we do know is before that injury, you know, with Spence, he was going to fight Ugas, but the Pacquiao fight popped up. And he said, I'm going to fight these dudes, I'm going to fight Pacquiao. Did he say Ugas too? I think he said, I'm going to fight Pacquiao, maybe Ugas, and then Crawford. Or was it just Pacquiao, Crawford, then I'm going to 54? He said something like that. But he did definitely include that. He included that. That I want Crawford, and we're going to see if we can make that fight. If not, move on. So that's what I think of Tim Smith's comments. That's what I think of realistically making it. Could Tim set it a different way? Yes. You know, sure. But what he's saying, he's not really far off on it all. He's right on the money in most of it. Um, anyway, boxing Twitter segment. Oh, yeah. We got some dandies. This is Victor Ortiz's uh, 2020 fight goal. Let's go, he said. This is his goal. Number one, Jake Paul. Tune-up fight, he calls it. Number two, Canelo Alvarez. Oh, wow. Number three, Danny Garcia. (laughs) Number four, Terrence Crawford. Number five, Errol Spence. Friends are friends, but my career is first. Hashtag my kids, hashtag family. So he wants to tune up and then forget that. It should, it, you know, it should be Danny Garcia. I mean, how are you going to go to Canelo after the tune up and then fight Danny Garcia after? Like, if you go ahead and go ahead, you know, I'll just say he'll beat Canelo, right? So Vic beats Canelo. Who the fuck's going to watch the Danny Garcia fight then? Um, But yeah, I thought that was Well, here's some fanboy stuff. Ryan Garcia beats everyone from 105. What are you bringing up 105 for? Ryan Garcia beats everyone from 105 to 160, only uh, losing, you know, only losing to Canelo. And in three years, Garcia beats and stops Canelo, being the best boxer in all of boxing. That is some extra fanboy stuff. Jermal Charlo's silence has me concerned. He might be about to make a prof. He might might be about to make he might be about to make a very profitable mistake. That's such a silly tweet, dude. Really? You think that's a mistake? Is Jake Paul the new biggest puncher in history? The guy is basically doing what Weiler, Wilder did his whole career by putting cream puffs to sleep. So why aren't people hyping him like they hype Wilder? Boxing scene told me, this is a forum thing, isn't it? Boxing boxing scene told me it's not easy to put a bum to sleep with one punch, you know, and it takes generational power. Isn't that what Jake Paul is doing? Making it look easy with the windmill? (laughs) This is funny because... First of all, you got to knock out a boxer. I mean, that's pretty easy. Crawford and Spence think, that, think by letting their fight marinate, it'll do Pacquiao and Mayweather numbers. Yeah, right. I don't think that's what it is. There's a lot of HBO nostalgia going around. 80s and 90s, okay, but the O was the 2000s. They're mostly clueless as to how to spend their budget and invest in tons of money in poor fights and mis, uh, mismandatories. HBO boxing snuffed it too late if anything yeah i mean the production i'll always say they're the number one but a lot of people love to like and it gets your retweets and likes and listens and followers and all that but a lot of people love to go oh man i just miss hbo so much the way i mean you know they made some bad decisions down the stretch that's on them Uh, Devin Haney to the WBC. If my belt is a junior, if my belt is the junior one, make me the mandatory for the real one. (laughs) I hear you there. I hear you there. Oh, this is Shakur Stevenson said this a few hours ago. My next opponent going to be a big surprise. Pound for pound me, please. So is that Lomachenko? Is that Loma? Is that Lomachenko he's talking about? That would be something, wouldn't it? Uh, I think we already mentioned this, but Usyk and Joshua rematch looks set to land in April, um, and a date in April uh, in the UK, which would be dope. That would be dope, and that kind of lines up, you know, with the time frame. You know, Eddie recently has said, "Hey, wait a second, you know, um, it, it's going to be February before you know it." Okay, so. Oh, here we go. That's right. This is this, So, Montero is the guy, I guess you probably guys could have known, but Montero is the guy who's a, a cheerleader, a fanboy, loves to say all this stuff about fanboys, loves to destroy a lot of PBC fighters, especially black fighters. Um, he'll retweet all sorts of crazy shit about black PBC fighters or PBC fighters in general, then when the tables are turned and it's similar, you know, like excuses, Lomachenko used the excuse. He, he said, yeah, I don't like that, but he didn't retweet a bunch of shit about him. You know what I mean? He's always been this way. This is him. Uh, but this is Montero with this new, and this kind of made me think about from this tweet, too, with the Ortiz thing. And this is actually, this isn't him. This is what I was about to read. This kind of made me remember, so I wouldn't get messages saying, what the fuck? Okay. Martin nearly beat Wilder's only top guy on his resume after seeing the fight. I think Martin had a point on why he would he would have defeated Wilder Ortiz had ring iQ to weather the prince's storm if that was Wilder, he would have panicked and got stopped again. Martin should be considered better than me uh, than, May- than Wilder <laughs> Oh, it's so funny it is so funny. Okay, so here is our guy, Montero, right after the fight. Luis Ortiz's best W is Charles Martin, which that's not true. But, you know, we'll just keep going. Luis Ortiz's best W is Charles Martin, who was flattened in two by Joshua, beat by Kozlowski, and on his way to losing to Glasgow before the freak injury. The Cuban was way down before scoring the TKO win. Ortiz is Deontay Wilder's best win by a mile. Just saying. Ortiz Martin, right? So that's what he says now. Now. Now, Roald actually pushed back and said, hold on now. It was his most dramatic win, Martin, or dramatic win, but Jennings and Thompson were both better. Jennings was, a, Jennings was a consensus top 10 heavy. Still at the time, Martin wasn't, and Thompson was past the rankings. But I, I'd i argue was just a better fighter in general. Okay? That's what he's saying. Uh, somebody else, Babs, actually said Jennings was only months removed from going 12 with Vlad, which is, you know, Jennings enrolled says Jennings was a fixture of the top 10 for at least two years at a time. Martin won the belt, you know, from the Glasgow slip of the torn ACL and was consistently raked off it for about two months. So, but, but I bring this up because this is what he was saying in 2016 when Golden Boy and then eventually Matchroom had Luis Ortiz. Luis, this is, this is literally in 2016. Remember, when he wasn't with the PBC. Luis Ortiz is truly like a heavyweight Golovkin, a seek-and-destroy monster with elite boxing craft. Hashtag Ortiz Thompson, and that's Tony Thompson. Not Tony the Tiger, but Tony Thompson. I kind of like saying that, Tony Thompson. Anyway, let's, let's repeat it. For those in the back that didn't get that, here's Montero. Luis Ortiz is truly like a, he had to find a way to say, yeah, man, he's just like my guy Golovkin. Heavyweight Golovkin. A seek-and-destroy monster. So he's coming at you monstrously, but he's also got elite boxing craft. That sounds like a
1: bad boy, dude. You know what
0: I'm saying? That sounds like a
1: bad – that sounds tough.
0: And he goes on to say, nobody wants a piece of Ortiz. He's becoming the heavyweight GTG. And this is actually, oh, okay, I read that wrong. So this is another one he said. This is around the Povekin thing. This is February 2016. Well, I guess bronze bomber, uh, WBC, bronze bombers, Wilder's WBC belt is going to get dumped in the trash. Povekin's people won the purse bid by over $2 million. I thought it was more than that
1: that they wanted by. Him. But anyway,
0: and he adds to the tweet. That was what it was. He added to the tweet, nobody wants a piece of Ortiz. He's becoming the heavyweight. So he not only was, you know, because, because uh, Pavekin's side won the purse bid, he was like, oh, it's, it's a wrap. Wilder's not going to fight Pavekin, and nobody wants a piece of Ortiz. He's becoming the heavyweight GGG. That's what he was saying. That's what your boy was saying back then. That's what he was saying. So don't you ever forget that. Oh, here's some more news. I think we talked about this, though. but some He's been told that the Charlo Castano rematch will take place either March 12th or March 19th at the Toyota Center in Houston. It was penciled in for the 26th. It's going to be on Showtime. So, yeah, there we go. That's it. That's all I got. Um, I think that does it. Yep, that does it. Um, So, yeah, enjoy the fight. Like I said, the reason why there isn't a big preview is because Joe Smith Jr.'s opponent um, had to fall out, Callum Smith. And and don't get me wrong, you know, I thought that was going to be a fun-ass fight, like a good TV fight. I had Joe Smith winning the fight, but I thought it was going to be a good fight know um so there's really nothing to break down when it comes to that now um uh abraham nova is taking on william incapacione in- incapacione i forgot his damn name but let's hope the undercard in general um you know gives us something to pop off about maybe something to pop off something pops off. <laughs> Um, but you know, you always hope that something that on paper is like, ah, eh, we'll see, you know Um, also there's a heavyweight fight pin against jose mario flores Um, so hopefully something out of the undercard pops off. but yeah, I mean You know steve Eferard or whatever and joseph you know, they're they're i'm not saying like it's a shitty card how could you do this you know I'm just saying that you know it's just not a highly anticipated you know card so there is no big breakdown you know what I mean um, so yeah hopefully we get something to pop off we'll be back next week um, and I did get a couple of messages saying where's that pay-per-view list you're bullshit and you're just trying to let let's see you're trying to trying to duck it I'm ducking this pay-per-view list and you know the PBC is putting on pay-per-views that would never be on pay-per-view. And you're lying, basically, about all these pay-per-views that did below 300,000 trash pay-per-views, that only now the PBC are the only ones putting on mediocre main events on pay-per-view, right? That that's, that's the theory. And you've heard us talk about Plenty of stuff about this pay-per-view stuff, but my point is, and that's why I brought up 2006
1: when HBO did 10 and I think Showtime did 12,
0: not to mention the other
1: stuff out there that's pay-per-view that we won't even talk about, but
0: the list is coming, but we're not going to talk about pay-per-view this shit every fucking time, even though we did this, like, you know, it just gets old. So, am I ducking it? Go ahead, keep saying I'm ducking it. That's fine. Duck away, you know, duck, duck, gray duck, 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 duck goose. You know, whatever. Anyway, I do have a list in the segments coming, and we're going to go around the list of fights that shouldn't be fights on (laughs) pay-per-view. That's basically the list. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Enjoy the night. Enjoy the fights. We'll see you next week. Peace.